feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. invasion of Ukraine. And welcome to the Rita Cosby Show on this Friday night as there are heavy attacks taking place right now in the capital city of Ukraine, Kyiv. There are reports from those on the ground that there is a nonstop volley of heavy bombs that are closing in on the capital city tonight. Heavy fighting continue in several key cities just outside of Kiev as well, and the Russians look like they are trying to circle in on the capital city. And many people believe, many military analysts believe, that the Russians are going to take a pounding against Kiev and going to try to take over the main city, potentially in the next one to two days. That if you look at some of the satellite images, remember there was that 40-mile convoy that was just outside of Kiev that was so ominous, and it looked like it just went on and on and on. New satellite images are showing that that convoy has now dispersed, but it has moved to different strategic areas right around the periphery of the capital city, which means that they look like they are about to do a massive onslaught not just from the air, but from the ground. And boy, the stakes are rising for the people of Ukraine. Think about what may be ahead for them tonight. We also are hearing, by the way, from the mayor of Kiev, who came out just a little bit ago and said that the citizens of the capital city are ready. There is a population of about 3 million people in that capital city normally, but about a million of them believed to have fled already. Um, So about a million and a half to two million apparently still remain tonight, and they are bracing for what may be the worst. What do you think we should do? I want to take a lot of your calls tonight because there is no more serious topic than obviously the topic of war. And it looks like there may be a massive Russian onslaught about to take place in the next day to two days potentially. And again, if you look at military analysts who are looking at the satellite images, and sadly they have been pretty much spot on in their predictions, that it looks like for sure the Russians are moving closer, trying to encircle the capital city as much as they can. You know, they softened up those other cities that were on the, you know, the right-hand side, on the eastern part of the city, a lot of the port cities that we've seen, Mariupol, um, a number of those others there. And now they look like they are trying to move closer and closer to go for a squeeze play. And first, probably, typically in a military invasion, they will typically probably try to pound them first from the air, try to pound them into submission. How sad is that? So think about the airstrikes that we have seen in the last 24 to 48 hours that we've seen in Mariupol. Remember that scene of the hospital with the women and children that were killed in just the last few days? There have been apparently dozens of attacks on hospitals, and that one leveled the hospital. And that looks like what is to come now in the capital city of Kiev. So say your prayers for the Ukrainian people, uh, because it may be a very rough Weekend ahead. 
and certainly we will be keeping an eye on it. We're going to be staying on top of this all night tonight. This is such a huge story. And needless to say, those who have been watching this closely, like Dan Hoffman, former CIA official, says that he believes that Russia is not going to hold anything back. And what we have seen in Mariupol, in that fringe, you know, that smaller city, that's just a population of about three, 400,000, that that is a microscope, a microcosm of what is sadly to come in the capital city because it's symbolic when you try to take over a country as Putin ruthlessly has been doing the last few weeks, he will try to go full throttle on the capital city because it is symbolic. If you can take the capital city, if you can bomb it into submission, if you can really take control of that um, and also take over the city, not just physically, but also emotionally to crush the will of the Ukrainian people, which so far have been unbelievably steadfast and courageous then you can take over the country is sort of the sentiment that so many people believe. Take a listen. This is Dan Hoffman, former CIA station chief. And I want to get your thoughts tonight as we talk about what may lay ahead for the capital city of Kiev. Here is Dan Hoffman. I think it's important to emphasize that even though uh, Russia is engaging in negotiations with, uh, with Ukraine, uh, respective foreign ministers, uh, Vladimir Putin's not looking for an off-ramp. He's barreling down the highways to Ukraine's major cities. He's certainly aware that the convoy uh, outside of Kiev was vulnerable, and so the, uh, some of those uh, vehicles, uh, some of the tanks have dispersed, and they're maneuvering in place, reportedly as close as you know, nine, a few miles away from the city center, uh, to launch a strike. Uh, you know, Russia, if past his prologue, they're looking at scorched earth along the lines we saw in Grozny and Aleppo. And I think the question for the Biden administration, uh, is there more we can do? Have we done enough? Uh, that's certainly a question our elected leaders are asking this administration, and rightly so. So tonight, is there more that we can do? Exactly what Dan Hoffman was just asking. Where should we go from here? There's a new poll that just came out. That said that basically about 69 percent of Americans say we need to get those planes in there ASAP. And I'm talking about those MiG jets. Those are those old Soviet style MiG jets. Sadly, I've flown on a couple of them and they ain't pretty, but they work and they are at least superior in many ways to what they could get um, from other sources. And so right now the Ukrainians are begging begging for those MiG jets to come in so they could try to at least have a battle in the skies. Because right now the Russians don't have air control. They certainly have air superiority. They've got many more planes and many more might, if you will, not just on air but on the ground too. But if they can get more equipment in, whether it's the javelins and the stingers, but also get more jets in, they may have a fighting chance. That's what Zelensky is pleading with the world right now. The president of Ukraine saying, please get those MiG jets in. And Poland has said, we will give you the MiG jets, but they got to go through Ramstein. They want to make sure that NATO is also on board. So it's not like Poland goes it alone. And a new poll that literally just came out a little bit ago says that most Americans overwhelmingly, more than two-thirds of Americans say, yes, those jets should go in ASAP. Why should we be waiting, everybody? Do we want to see more graphic images like we have seen this week 
in that city of Mariupol, imagine the kind of damage that the Russians may do in the next day or two or three or more, or even could go on for a long time in the capital city of Kiev. It is a massive capital city, remember, again, with several million people. And you saw the damage that they did to Mariupol, which right now tonight, by the way, no electricity, no water, no food. They are trying to starve them out. They've already tried to bomb them out, and now they are trying to starve them out. And you know that that is what is ahead for the capital city. And here is the American public begging, saying, yeah, put in these planes. We think absolutely put in the planes. And there's a new report tonight that the reason the planes are not coming from Poland, because Poland wanted to, again, send it to basically a U.S. base and then had the U.S. sort of play a role. So it was a team effort, basically, and have the whole team basically on board that we're now bringing the planes in. Bring them in on a secret truck. Bring them in. Sneak them in. I don't care. Bring them in a hay baler. I don't care. But get them in there. Why the heck are we waiting? Well, the American public is now saying, what's the difference, really? You're giving them javelin missiles. You're giving them stingers. What, what, why are, what's the difference of giving them planes? And you, we have seen the incredible will and fight of the Ukrainian people this week. Unbelievable. Think about what they have been dealing with, and they are saying we are staying and fighting. And right now, there is about a hundred, it's like 1.5 to 2 million people that are staying in the capital city. And that includes not just great military people, that includes like grandmothers who are saying, I'm picking up guns, and if I see a Russian, I'm killing them. I mean, they're all over. T- they are staying and fighting because they believe so much in their country. And we can't get them the planes. We can't figure out a way. Well, this new report says it was Joe Biden who personally turned down getting the planes to Ukraine. So what, Joe Biden's going to sit back and watch the onslaught of Kiev that may come in the next two or three days? And he couldn't even somehow find a creative way to sneak in the planes? And he personally, according to this report was the person who said, no, we should not touch these planes. We should not have anything to do with it. Oh, we'll have Poland do it. We'll have Poland, another country, take responsibility alone. And then maybe they will incur Putin's wrath. But shame on Joe Biden if he indeed was the one who said, no, we're not going to allow it to happen. I want to hear from you. Do you disagree? As I do, I think we got to get those planes in there. Sneak them in. I don't care what. And in fact, later on in the hour... I'm going to give you a little glimpse. I did an amazing podcast discussion with Robert Wilkie, former VA secretary, Veterans Affairs secretary, also former deputy undersecretary, also the Department of Defense. And he said he's like a student of history. He's like, there are ways to get a plane in. The Russians are not as good at night. Americans basically own the night with all our, you know, infrared and all our, you know, high tech gear. There are ways to sneak a plane in on big trucks or somehow get them in, but hurry up and get them in. And don't say, oh, gosh, I wish I would have gotten them in after capital city of Kiev is leveled. Shame on us if we look back in history and say, oh, gosh, you know, oh, gosh. You know, today, Joe Biden's talking about, you know, banning caviar. He's talking about banning vodka. What about getting them planes? I mean, are our priorities by this administration so out of whack? You bet. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Here's a little bit of General Jack Keane talking about the onslaught that is to come potentially at any moment in the capital city of Kiev to the poor Ukrainian people. 
Well, what's happened now for the first time is we do have uh, combat forces on the outskirts of Kiev, on the west side, which will be an access to encircle the city from the west, and also on the east side, uh, the northern east side, to encircle the city on the east side as well. So that that's a first. Uh, they're consolidating now. They've taken some losses, as as you have been pointing out here, and and certainly on the video is very graphic to that case. But yes, they will right. begin their offensive at some point in the next couple of days to to try to attempt to encircle the city, Brian. They they'll put their artillery artillery in, in position, right. and they'll hammer the city before they put troops into that city. They are still trying to seek a right. capitulation from Zelensky before they move combat troops into that city, and they will use civilian casualties and destruction to try to get that capitulation. They will use whatever is in their disposal, and we know from the history that includes everything. Nothing is off the table when you're dealing with the Russian military, as we've seen. And we've seen the reports coming from Grozny, and we've seen the reports coming from Aleppo, where he actually used chemical weapons that killed tens of thousands of people. And you think he's not going to try to do something at a time where he is desperate and wants to take over these people who are fighting with everything they have? This is a frightening scenario, and we are sitting back and talking about banning caviar. Are, are you kidding me? When we come back, we're going to take your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. What do you think we should do now? And what do you make of the fact of this report that says it was President Biden personally who said, you know what, we're not going to touch these planes. We're not going to help in bringing to the Ukrainian people that they desperately need. And also, by the way, make sure you stay with us because at 1030, as we do every night here in just a few minutes here on the Rita Cosby Show, we have one of my favorite segments, Back the Blue, where we honor the great men and women in uniform, our great law enforcement officers. We're going to be talking about that and giving them a beautiful tribute, which I love doing every night. So stay tuned. That's coming up in about 10 minutes here on the Rita Cosby Show and taking your calls right after the break. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Breaking news. Now, the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And tonight, the pounding continues just outside of the capital city. There are reporters in the capital city of Kiev, again, a population typically of about 3 million people. Many of them, of course, have fled already. But there are many that are dug in and defending the capital and waiting for the worst as they are now hearing nonstop volleys in the distance, but getting very close and many believe that the attack by the Russians on the capital city is expected to happen any moment. Also, there are at least 2.5 million Ukrainians that have fled the country since Russia's full-scale invasion began on February 24th. Think about that. 2.5, that's the latest number coming from the U.N. just about an hour or so ago of refugees. And according to the United Nations Refugee Agency, they are estimating anywhere from four to five million people may end up fleeing Ukraine ultimately um, and potentially even more. And again, at this point, 2.5 million have fled. And remember the conflict, this is, you know, it's only going in just a short bit of time. This is actually absolutely stunning. So where do you think we should go from here? What should the U.S. do? Today, Joe Biden's talking about banning caviar and vodka and all those things. 
you know, from Russia. I think that's a good thing. But why didn't you think about doing that like uh, six months ago or a year ago? Don't you think right now you've got the president of Ukraine pleading for a no-fly zone over his country, saying, create this no-fly zone so then we have a fighting chance? Because, by the way, typically the army that is on the ground and knows the terrain has the advantage. If you kind of go man for man, they know the area. This is their country. This is their homeland. They know where to hide. They know where to go underground. They're fighting for freedom. They got the fight in them. But the problem is the Russians have a very superior military machine against the Ukrainians. So the Ukrainians are saying, please send us the planes. Please, 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 please do a no-fly zone. And all Joe Biden can do is talk about banning caviar and vodka. Somehow it seems a little inappropriate. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Elena in Teaneck. Go ahead, Elena. Good evening, Rita. What do you make, Elena? It's heartbreaking as I'm sitting here, like my heart is like popping out of its chest thinking, you know, as I'm looking at these images and I'm seeing reporters hearing the sounds coming closer and closer and closer to them, those that are in Kiev. Rita, my heart is pounding with yours. All I can say is President Biden, our American Congress, our American Senate, I beg of you, help Ukraine. Do not forsake us. We've been forsaken historically. Do not forsake us again. Uh, Elena, that's how I feel, too. I feel like history is going to judge this moment as one of the biggest disasters in U.S. foreign policy. You know, I I think it's a catastrophic decision, and I think he made so many catastrophic decisions even prior to this moment. You know, I think about, you know, Putin was telegraphing what he was going to do, Elena. He wrote a manifesto in July and said, hey, here's my plan, and everybody who knows Putin says he doesn't bluff, and he's literally walking us through his plan, what he does. And we're looking at history, what he's doing, and he's exactly doing to that town Mariupol that we saw with the hospital leveled with the women and children exactly what he did in Syria in 2015 and 2016 and what he did to Grozny and other places. This is, he, you know, it's like Putin's playbook, which should make it in a way easier because we know what he is doing. But this president is like, oh, which way did he go? It's like Abbott and Costello. Who's on first? And it's scary. And for history, the stakes could not be higher, Elena. Go ahead. Yes, Rita. This president is being stepped on. As an American, I'm embarrassed. This is awful. We're, we're living through a history, such a low in, uh, low in our history in America. We're, 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 no longer, we're no longer proud. We're no longer leaders. We no longer take a stand. What happened? Yeah, we're, we're afraid. I agree. We look like we are so afraid of Putin. And we look like we are so lackluster in the world right now. I mean, I agree with you. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed at the way our president has handled it. He he has still not even when he delivers his speech, it's not even inspiring, like even verbally. And his actions have been much worse. And I think to your point, this is going to be disastrous, I think, for history. I think history is going to look back and say this was one of the worst American presidencies and one of the worst leadership lack of leadership decisions that led to this moment. And you think about Elena, too, and you know history. I know you do. You know, you sit there and you go, wait a minute. You look at what happened. Had we had a chance to step into World War II earlier? Obviously, it's a big issue. We got pulled in, of course. 
But had we been able to do more and, and stop the death camps and stop some of these other things, don't you think, I think the world all agrees, yes, we would have come in much sooner. And now the writing's on the wall and we have a modern day Hitler and we are barely doing anything. We're talking about banning caviar and he's talking about, oh, I'm going to do a, I'm going to change his favorite nation status. And even some of these, you know, some of these sanctions, Elena, are going to go in place. By the way, some of the ones that he put in place that he tries to act like he's so tough on are going to go in place in a few months. Do you think Ukraine has a few months? I, I don't think so. What do you think, Elena, real quick? Uh, Ukraine doesn't have a few months. Ukraine is dying. Ukraine is begging for survival. It's, it, it, it's being nailed to the cross. And Americans, please help us. I agree. Elena, I agree. I feel your pain, my friend. I feel your pain, and I hope that we do the right thing, and I hope people put pressure on Biden to wake up and help somebody who's been a great ally. They fought alongside us, by the way, in Iraq, Afghanistan, and now we're abandoning them at their most dire moment. Shame on us. 1-800-848-9222. Rita Cosby is on. Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue, three officers in the Tampa, Florida area being honored for putting their cars and themselves in harm's way to stop wrong way drivers. Think about how courageous that is. One of them is a Hillsborough County deputy. He drove his vehicle in between an innocent victim and an oncoming wrong-way driver on the expressway. Wow, saved the victim's life. Then there was a case of another one, a 45-year-old Tampa officer who purposely veered his cruiser into the path of a wrong-way driver on the interstate on I-275. Another one, too. This is Trooper Tony Shuck's dash cam was rolling, actually, when her vehicle went in the path of an alleged drunk driver who was heading in the wrong direction and heading straight for the Sunshine Sky Bridge in the Tampa area, which, by the way, that Sky Bridge was packed with thousands of unsuspecting runners at the time. There was a big race that was happening, and it was a drunk driver heading right to that Sky Bridge. Think about what would have happened. My goodness. Well, she was injured, uh, but thank goodness survived and said, you know what, Um, I was the last officer. I knew that it was me. If I was going to get this driver to stop, then who else? If I couldn't do it, there was no way to stop that driver. What an amazing sacrifice. And think about the courage and bravery of our great law enforcement to put their lives literally on the line to protect so many people. Well, a number of individuals, including some of the chiefs there in Tampa, said courage is often a decision the officers who did these things didn't have to make. It's a decision that they just did as natural instinct. And bravo so much to our great men and women in law enforcement who do incredible things, saving our lives every single day. Well, speaking of lives, so many lives are on the line right now in Ukraine. And that's because there are more and more reports in the last few hours that it appears that the Russian forces are closing in on the capital city of Kiev. And that means that an onslaught may be about to happen potentially either tonight or sometime over the weekend. And, of course, you want to stay tuned to the very latest uh, on this station because this is so, so important. There is nothing more risky and more serious, as you know, as going in and, you know, this fight that is happening in the Ukrainian people. Talk about 
the guts of the Ukrainian people. And I think about Zelensky right now, who is supposedly still in Kiev, according to reports. He says he is staying, that he is fighting with his people. Also, the mayor there, too, says he is staying and fighting. He said the people that are there are ready and that right now Kiev is sort of a human fortress that they are ready to stand and fight for freedom and their independence. And boy, have they inspired the world. But I contend that the world needs to get a more military hardware. It is obscene that tonight we have these people who have fought alongside us in Iraq and Afghanistan. They answered the call. They were right there with U.S. forces. They're technically, of course, not a NATO ally, but they are a great ally. They're a democracy. They're an ally that's fought alongside us. And now they are begging for help, and we can't even send them more military hardware that they really need, including especially planes. We have sent them again javelins. We've sent them stinger missiles. We've sent them some things, and we've sent them some money. But why can't we send them these old planes that the Poles want to send them? Why can't we somehow, again, like just put it in a truck, sneak it, do something, somehow get it to them and get it to them urgently? We do not want to wait. Do you want to wait till Kiev is leveled and then say, gosh, I wish I would have? That's not going to do any good for history, and it's not going to do anything for the Ukrainian people. My goodness, who tonight are pleading and begging because they can hear the Russian bombs coming from every different direction. Take a listen. This is one of the Ukrainian parliament members talking about what they are hearing right now. Uh, But what's going on in Mariupol, for example, first of all, it's a total disaster. It's humanitarian catastrophe because it's city, half of a million people city, and uh, it's uh, on Azov Sea, and there is no heating, electricity, water, gas, and mobile network there. And uh, air- Russian airplanes drop bombs every 30 minutes, and al- artillery don't stop at all. Wow. Dropping bombs every 30 minutes on civilian targets. And if you look at some of the images from there, too, of Mariupol, some of the satellite images, you see, like, there was a shopping mall. There was a university. There was a whole bunch of things there a few weeks ago. And if you look today, it is one big flattened parking lot thanks to the brutal Russian forces who are they, – they can't even right now. You're looking that they are building mass graves because there have been more than 1,200 people killed, and they think that is just the tip of the iceberg. They can't even bury their dead because there are so many people being killed by the Russians as we speak. And that is what – is to come of the capital city. So why can't we get them? Why can't we get them the armament they need, and particularly the planes? Think about what that could do. If you can get some more planes, you just go over and you strafe. You get rid of those tanks. You know, it's dangerous. Of course, they could get shot down. But tell me those Ukrainian pilots aren't going to go for everything they got. They've shown us the courage already. They are ready to fight. So give them the military hardware so they can do it right and make it a fight and hopefully you know, get rid of these Russian forces. Take a listen. Here's a little more of the Ukrainian parliament member talking about, sadly, what he has seen in Mariupol. And now it's not the war anymore. It's mass murderers. And in several days, we will see the hunger in the center of Europe in Mariupol is 350,000 people. And we will have hunger. I'm not joking. And it's not the story, you know, when it's a war, I can understand people in other countries can say, no, we will not join. But when it's a mass murdering, so it's our decision how we will remember Mariupol as a city of uh, free people, as a city that we rebuilt, 
or as a new Treblinka, as a new Auschwitz. As a new Auschwitz. That is how he's describing what was once one of the most beautiful cities in Ukraine. Think about that. And that may be what is to come of the capital city, which is a beautiful city as well. Unbelievable. Here's a little bit of some of the sounds of rockets, the Russian rockets raining down on another city nearby. Take a listen. These are the sounds that are taking place all over Ukraine tonight. Hitting targets with women and children and hitting anything in its sight. And what is our president doing? He's not talking about military hardware today. He was sitting there defending basically his energy policy because he was talking to Democrats and trying to rally his Democratic base. I think that's not what he should be doing at a time like this. He should be in the situation room trying to figure out what to do. And second of all, he is focused on banning goods from Russia. And I'm not talking military hardware or anything like that. I'm talking about he's going after caviar. Take a listen. We're also taking a further step of banning imports of goods from several signature sectors of the Russian economy, including seafoods, vodka, and diamonds. And we're going to continue to squeeze Putin. The G7 will seek to deny Russia the ability to borrow from leading multinational institutions. So we are banning Russian seafood, vodka, diamonds, A big aspect, of course, of the seafood is the caviar. That's really hitting Putin where it hurts as he's pounding the Ukraine capital probably in the next day or two. I mean, that is unbelievable. They're hearing it from every different direction. And our president is talking about banning seafood. I mean, boy, have we missed the mark. 1-800-848-9222. Two, two. Let's go to Larry in Brooklyn. Go ahead, Larry. What do you think we should do? Listen, Rita, okay, obviously you're very bent on asserting your viewpoint. But if somebody, if, if one of your callers says something brilliant, are you going to also try to put that forth to the Biden administration? Because I have, I think I have the answer to this whole thing. Okay? Oh, good. I can't and, wait to hear, Larry. Go ahead, you, please. You, you're not addressing the main issue. The main issue is nuclear war. And I'll tell you what, what, what the answer is. The answer is, is that Biden has, I mean, Putin has already said that sang that, that that let me put, let me finish. Don't interrupt me, okay? I haven't even interrupted you, Larry. What right. are you doing? Are you drinking or something right, on a right. Friday night? I haven't okay, said but, a word. Go right. ahead, Larry. Putin has already said that sanctions is the equivalent of nuclear war. Now, what's going to happen is when if he when he takes Ukraine, it's not if it's when if, he, if we don't defend them, if if they don't get the MIGs. If he takes Ukraine, he's going to get strung out eventually because the sanctions don't work. He's going to get strung out and isolated and humiliated, and then he's going to do something desperate because he's going to because he meant sanctions. If he's first, he's going to taste victory, and then he's going to taste bitter defeat. And he's already said sanctions is equal to war, so it's going to lead the weakness that that Biden is showing now is going to lead to nuclear war later. The way to do this is is to is to give him an off ramp. He's not looking for an off ramp. You give him an off ramp by stifling him now and leading, and and so later on he doesn't get strung out by the sanctions because the sooner he gets defeated, Putin the sooner he, he could come back to the table and get these sanctions removed, because that's what's ultimately going to lead to nuclear war. 
So now let me ask you, what, since, since this is uh, clearly your night, Lair, um, let me ask you, um, what do you think we should do to give him an off-ramp? What would be the off-ramp to him? Okay, now, my second point is this, that, that Putin understands what a fair fight is. He knows he's, he's got these, he knows that this is like a, a mouse uh, compared to a, a lion. So if you, if you send him 20, merely 28 MiGs, he's not going to view that as an act of war. He views the sanctions. If you, we make it clear to him, listen, we're not going to sit back and watch people get massacred. First of all, there's an old expression that my father taught me, the cry of distress is the summons to rescue. And I'm sure you could translate that into Russian. But let me, hang on, Larry. Our president president is afraid to give him MiGs or have anything. It's not even our MiGs. It's just having them even touch in American territory. You know, Our, our president is afraid to have any American fingerprints on planes even if they're coming from another country like Poland. Why is our president afraid? He's afraid because he thinks they're going to drag NATO. He thinks that that Putin is going to attack NATO. Uh, but why isn't Poland afraid? Because they got more guts. See, obviously, obviously Biden's coming out of fear. And they don't. the Americans don't have to touch them. They're in Ramstein. They're in Germany. Let the Ukrainian pilots fly them out of Germany. It's a NATO base. It has nothing to do with America. They're af- he's afraid that Biden is going to attack NATO, which, which is a really a, a wimpy position, because if Poland's not afraid of being attacked, and they're the ones that are in the front lines, because they're giving them eggs. No, great point. Larry, see, I let you speak, because it's Friday night. Larry, great points, by the way, because these are huge, huge issues. Larry, thank you very much. And by the way, to Larry's point, um, another idea is it doesn't even have to go to Ramstein. Larry was just saying that was the idea put forth by the polls because the polls didn't want to go it alone, guys. So the other option, and I want to play a little clip because I did an interview that is going to be, it just got put up. Actually, you can check it out. You can go to RitaCosbyOnline.com. Uh, It'll be there. You can also go to my Twitter handle, which is at Rita Cosby, and you'll see it on there. By the way, I always read your comments also on social media, so send me your comments of what you think about what we're talking about on the air because I also love to read comments from social media as well during the show, as you guys know. Go to at Rita Cosby on Twitter. But I interviewed Robert Wilkie former Veterans Affairs Secretary, also former Undersecretary of the Department of Defense. Now, he worked under President Trump. He also worked under the Bush administration. And we talked about, we did a big at length, it is a powerful discussion because he is a a military historian. He understands history. He also is trying to get into the mind of Putin and says we have to look at him from a strategic perspective position and from a position of strength, which he believes is not happening now with this administration. But we talked at length, and I want you to take a listen to the full discussion. It just went up again on RitaCosbyOnline.com. Also go to at Rita Cosby. You can check it out. Also, wherever you download podcasts, you'll be able to get it. It's Protecting America is the name of the podcast. It was a powerful discussion. I, I learned so much from him. We talked for quite a bit at length about this situation and what should happen now. But here's a little bit of a sample because we talked about those MiG planes that Larry was talking about. And this is what 
Secretary Wilkie said, he said it doesn't have to even go all the way to Ramstein, that there are ways that we have done in history. We did in World War II. We snuck in planes somehow. We got it at that point. We pushed them over the Canadian border. So technically it wasn't the U.S. giving planes, if you will, to Britain at that point in World War II. And he said because of the military situation that's going on in the ground and the fact that the Russians still don't have air superiority, there is a moment now, a very narrow window, where those planes could get snuck in. Take a listen. Here's a little bit of our conversation. What would you do now to get those planes? How do we get them creatively? it's, It's fairly easy. It doesn't take a lot to take a couple of planes and put them on a truck in the middle of the night and get them to outlying airfields on the western side of Ukraine. We can do those things. And instead of going through all these hoops that the Biden administration is now having us go through. So obviously a plane is a little harder to move than a tank, but you can still put it on a truck. And you can still have Ukrainian pilots slip across the border into Romania, Bulgaria, Poland, and fly planes to, to airfields. Remember, Putin has also failed to control the air. So this offers us an opportunity to get those munitions in to western Ukraine. And there are long lines of stalled Russian tanks and armored personnel carriers that are right now ripe for the taking. Can you imagine if the Ukrainian had more air superiority and then could take out Those Russian tanks that right now in many cases are sitting ducks in a lot of places before they got to the capital city. Come on. I love his idea. Put it on a plane, you know, put it on a on a big truck, put them in parts, whatever you do. We're America. We got to come up with a solution. 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show. on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And the Ukraine the invasion continues at this hour over Ukraine. I want to play 27 again. The sirens and the bombing. That is what is continuing at this hour over one of the main cities there, and they are pummeling the region. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to John in Canada. John, your reaction. Hi, Rita. How are you? Good. Uh, Really, what's the difference whether Ukraine is part of NATO or not? They they helped uh, the U.S. and other countries in other wars. It's time to return the favor. Uh, Putin's nothing but a war criminal, and Joe Biden's looking like he's one, too. Um, NATO's got to move in. If they do, the Russian soldiers will fold up like a tent. I'm telling you, Putin only understands brute force. That's my comments. So where do we go from here? You just got to move in. You just tell Putin, we're coming in. There's no way out, buddy. And that's the way it goes. But now what about dragging us in to World War III, which is a big concern, John? Listen, this is just like World War II. It's the same thing. America and the allies had to come in. It's just a waste of time. 
what's happening now and a waste of, of human life right you, now. You believe it's inevitable. What's going to happen? It, it, yeah, but Putin doesn't understand. All he understands is brute force. And people like him just got to go down. Yeah, you boys. And, and you got to stop him in his tracks. And in fact, um, just a comment coming in. This is from Turkey's president. I rarely say that uh, Erdogan is correct. But he just came in, John, and basically said that the West could have stopped Russia way back in 2014, saying, like, history is going to look back at the poor way it was handled when Russia invaded Crimea and had no repercussions, you know, that that led to this moment. Do you agree? Yes, exactly. That's what I was like. I had a little a little thing of notes. That's what I was going to say. Putin's just watching this. I went into Crimea. Oh, nobody did anything. I'm going here. No one's going to do anything. And he's just going to keep on going. You got to put the hammer down. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's like a schoolyard bully. You got to put him in his place. John, thank you very much. Let's go to Mike on the Lower East Side. Mike, your thoughts about what we can do for Ukraine right now? I think uh, the only way to put him in his place is have the refugee woman and whoever else wants to help tow these planes by rope and by car. But have a, many women, like maybe 20 on each plane, towing them by rope with women, just women, televise it, and then have cars also towing them to the border. Let the pilots get in and take off. Smooth down an area down near the border there and let them just take off right as soon as the, the women tow them right over the line. They take off and, and knock out the tanks. Nobody could say nothing. Who's going who's gonna to argue with that? Putin's not going to argue with that. Let the women tow them by rope, 10 on each side, and then some of those, right uh, the, some of the Babushka the women. Some of the, by the way, some of these That's women right. look like Annie Oakley. I'm telling you, with like the big guns. I mean, they are, it's really amazing. It's like, you know, women and children or people are fighting. On the other hand, you know, what's really sad, Mike, is that Putin doesn't seem to care if it's women or children. I mean, he's been targeting hospitals. You could bet if he saw that. If it was such a public display, he would, you know, they would hesitate. They would not hesitate taking a pot shot at that. Doesn't matter if it's women there. I mean, that's how this guy is so brutal. There are no rules with this guy, and I contend he's absolutely a war criminal. Let him try. Let him try. But they got to do it that way. That's the only way they could do it. He can't say a word. Nobody could say a word. Not NATO. No, they don't need NATO. NATO's nothing but trouble. And also the U.N. They're all for communist countries. Well, Forget and they're also Biden. so tepid, Mike. They are like they are just so lame and so tepid through the most dire of circumstances. Thanks so much. Let's go to Harvey in Florida. Harvey, your thoughts real quick. Go ahead, Harvey. Yeah, hi, Rita. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I agree with your last couple of calls. Just, they should have been planes already. Should have had this from July. They could have had planes already. An old cop told me, always be prepared at all times. Protect yourself at all times. Oh, this is a big thing, of course. But I feel so bad for the women and children. You see them dying. These are war crimes. He's a bully, like you said, Rita. He's a bully. That'll keep on going. Well, that's why. If uh, you don't put him in his place and stop now... And what are we going to say? Gosh, oh, I wish we would have when, you know, the capital city is basically looking like rubble. I mean, is that the time that we finally decide some epiphany, our president, to give them the proper military might? Um, Shame on us if we wait too long. And that's how I I feel. I feel so passionate about this. Harvey, thanks so much. And everybody, we're going to continue with your calls after the break. 
what should happen now? What should America do? Our president is talking politics, and the Ukrainians are saying, please save us as the capital city is being encircled and they're hearing pounding tonight. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And tonight the whole world is bracing as there is word that the Russian troops are starting to encircle the capital city of Kiev in Ukraine. You are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. We're going to be talking about it this hour, as well as the case of an unbelievable repeat offender who was charged with murder and a liberal judge, well, guess what, sets him free unbelievable what is happening with the world also kamala harris who i call cackles who is like laughing like you know like there's nothing else wrong she's over there in poland well there is more backlash about her dreadful response when they were asking about the one million plus refugees remember she was laughing i was like ha 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 now people on the view some of the hosts on the popular show are saying any criticism of her is racist To me, that is so ridiculous. She was abominable. She was horrible. Even so bad that President Zelensky of Ukraine, his former spokesperson, tweeted out saying, I hope that this woman never becomes president of the United States because he's seeing what a disaster she is for U.S. policy. And we're going to talk about that later on in the hour as well. And we also have one of my favorite segments that we do every night And, of course, we'll do it here tonight on this great Friday night and a very difficult Friday night in the world, too, as well. Um, But important to honor and support our veterans and our Support Our Heroes segment that we do every night in about 20 minutes or so from now, where we honor our brave men and women, and especially with the stakes so high now around the world, how important it is to honor our men and women that are on the front lines in NATO countries and elsewhere, and many of them even retired. There's a lot of retired military right now that have gotten into Ukraine that are helping them. President Zelensky said that he's got about 40,000 foreign fighters that have come in. Some of them, you know, from different countries, different you know groups, um, just citizens helping to take up arms and to protect Ukraine, which looks like it is about to get battered. And in fact, in the last few hours, we are getting reports, first of all, of new strikes on Western targets in Ukraine. That's an area where there's been a lot of pounding in the last few days, especially, but also reporters in the capital city of Kiev, a population of about 3 million typically. A lot of them have fled. Um, but in that population, they are hearing now massive, massive shelling taking place just outside of the capital city which could be a sign clearly by many people that the worst is yet to come and that the Russians are planning their attack on Kiev. Uh, also, by the way, the U.N. is coming out and saying, according to the High Commissioner for the United for the Human Rights Commission there at the U.N., that there are, quote, credible reports of several cases of Russian forces using cluster munitions, including unpopulated areas. Those are war crimes. Those are against the Geneva Convention. 
So what is the world going to do? Are we going to sit back? And I contend we got to get them the planes that they need. We got to make sure that we call this guy out. We got to call him a war criminal. I mean, what more does it take? We have seen the images this week. And sadly, the worst is absolutely yet to come. And here is what Pentagon spokesperson John Kirby said just a few hours ago describing the Russian attack. It's a war of choice. Mr. Putin can stop this war right now by agreeing to a diplomatic solution or at least just stopping the bombing and the death and the destruction that he is causing against a nation that provoked nobody, against a nation that presented no threat to Russia. All of this is by his choice, and and all that blood is on his hands, and he could stop it right now if he wanted to. Is there anybody out there who thinks that Putin is going to stop it right now? Just like John Kirby said, uh uh-uh, it looks like he is tripling down, quadrupling down, and that hell on earth may be coming to the people there of Kiev coming very soon. Here is General Anthony Tata talking about the fact that he believes a lot of this happened because, guess what, Putin smelled weakness. Putin is, I think, being deliberately uh, bellicose and, and dangerous with his uh, nuclear drills and, and being very, very aggressive here uh, because he perceives in the wake of Afghanistan a split NATO where each NATO nation was uh, left to their own devices. And and frankly, you know, on the economic sanctions, Germany's not uh, all in and there's some other countries that aren't all in. So Putin sees these fractures in NATO, and I think the administration is trying their best to at least put the best foot forward to, mm-hmm. because, you know, every collective security arrangement needs an alpha, and, and the United States uh, needs to step up and be that alpha. And we, I do not believe, are being an alpha in any shape or form. What do you think? Is there an alpha at the helm there? Sure as heck not. And I think we are seeing the effects clearly of weak leadership tonight, and we may see the worst slaughter taking place potentially in the next few days. I hope I'm wrong, but all the military experts say that they believe it is almost inevitable that the Russian troops are going to be coming in. And I pray to God that the Ukrainians keep up this ferocious fight and are able to somehow continue the momentum that they've had. They've had some good momentum, but many people believe it may and sadly be short-lived. What are your thoughts, everybody, and what more should we be doing? I mean, we don't have an alpha. We don't have anybody that backed Putin down, that stood up to Putin and said, hey, don't do it. We didn't even do even preemptive sanctions. All these sanctions that the president is talking about, some of them aren't even coming into effect yet. And you think Putin isn't stopping with sanctions. He knew sanctions were coming. He hasn't seen anything that has thwarted him off. He has just continued to go for it. The only thing that's been stopping is the will of the Ukrainian people. It's not because the United States has said, don't do it. You can tell Putin is not scared of this president in any shape or form. And take a listen. Here's a little bit of the president talking in the last day or so about the situation there in Ukraine. Putin's war against Ukraine was never going to be a victory. Democrats are rising to meet the moment, relying, rallying the world on the side of peace and security. We're showing the strength and we'll never falter. But look, the idea the idea that we're going to send in offensive equipment and have planes and tanks and trains uh, going in with American pilots and American crews, just understand, and uh, don't kid yourself, no matter what you all say, that's called World War Three. okay? Let's get it straight here, guys. That old expression, don't kid a kidder. You know what? 
Somehow, I don't think anybody's kidding at this moment. The stakes could not be higher, Mr. President. And all he keeps doing is talking about who he's going to sanction, who he's going to do this, who he's going to do that. And then when he was asked one of the most serious questions of all, because there are concerns that chemical weapons could be used. And that is because you look at the history of the Russians. They used it in Aleppo against the Syrians. They killed tens of thousands of people with chemical weapons. And there is a concern, indeed, that something could happen with chemical weapons, maybe some bio plants. The other thing, too, is there are reports now that more than 200 workers have been working at gunpoint since the Russians seized the Chernobyl nuclear plant and that it's been offline. They haven't been getting data from it for the last few days. So that's pretty scary. These workers who were there, remember, when the Russians came in, have had to stay there, working apparently at gunpoint. Now we're learning it was 200 of them are now basically being ordered by Russian soldiers to work there at the plant. Why is he holding up that plant? What does he have in mind? I mean, that's an absolutely frightening premise. And this is the way our president answered today when he was asked about, are you concerned about chemical weapons? Take a listen. Your White House has said that that Russia may use chemical weapons or create a false flag operation to use them. What evidence have you seen showing that? And would the U.S. have a military response if Putin does launch a chemical weapons attack? I'm not going to speak about the intelligence, but but, uh, Russia would pay a severe price if they use chemical weapons. I mean, right words. Russia's going to pay a severe price. Have they seen anything that's thwarted them by this president? I don't think so. And even his tone is like, yeah, they're going to pay a dear price. Putin is going, God, pass me some more caviar and pass me some more vodka. Are you kidding me? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to John in South Carolina. Go ahead, John. Good evening, Rita. Uh, You just played a, a, a tape of the president. And he said really what his advisors in the Pentagon are telling him. The airplanes, even though they are from Warsaw, they are Ukrainian and Russian made, they're believed to be offensive weapons. So far, we've only sent defensive weapons. Javelins and stingers are defensive weapons. So are you you saying, so I guess what I'm asking you, do you believe, listen, Putin came out, John, and said last weekend, sanctions are an act of war. So anybody who's doing sanctions, which many people around the world, many countries are doing that, that's an act of war. Um, I mean, is it a time where we should stop tiptoeing and do it? Do you? I mean, do you agree, don't send the planes and just let them get slaughtered? Is that what you're thinking? My thinking is more in line with yours. However, his advisors are saying, hey, with these extra planes, they're worried that when— Ukraine gets pushed up against the wall, that they'll start bombing inside of Russia. That will trigger nuclear response. When Putin sees that his own people are getting bombed, they'll come and rally behind him, and he'll, that will give him the go-ahead to use small nukes. Yeah, no, I, I, listen, I understand the stakes are extremely high. On the other hand, should the world watch Ukraine gets slaughtered, which may happen in the next few days, you know, if they come in. And listen, the Ukrainian people have been amazing uh, with their fight. And you can't rule out the fight. When somebody's got the fight and they're fighting for their homeland, you can't rule out that they are not going to be successful. They may be. It's a David and Goliath fight. 
but sometimes David wins. But on the other hand, um, do you just say, don't do it? See, what, what I thought was really interesting is, and I talked to Robert Wilkie recently, the former VA secretary. He's a current colonel on reserves in the U.S. Air Force, John. He said the way to do it is sort of sneak the planes in. What they should have done was just sort of snuck the planes in somehow, like in the dead of night. Um, and then Putin doesn't necessarily know who sent them in. You know, I mean, there's a number of Russian MiGs that are out there. They don't they didn't even have to telegraph where they were coming from. Kind of sneak them in on the, you know, on big, big, you know, trucks and, you know, and other, you know, convoys, other ways to get them in. And they should have done it a while ago. But there's a very narrow window to get them in now because the alternative is not a pretty one. I agree. But the type of plane they're talking about, again. The advisors in the Pentagon are saying they can be used offensively. In other words, they can fly over the border. And all we've done so far is to say we'll help Ukraine on defense. No, I get it, John. I get it. I get it. But at the other hand, do we just let them get slaughtered? Because clearly the Russians, even though they don't control the skies yet, you know from typical Russian warfare what they will probably do, and if you look at what's happened in that city of Mariupol where that hospital was leveled, they are just pounding, pounding, pounding. And then some of them are coming on on the ground, but they are pounding from the air. So that's probably a template. I mean, we don't know, you know, what's in Putin's mind, but that's probably a template of what they're going to do to Kiev and elsewhere. So think about if there were more planes up there, and you're right, it's an enormous risk, just as you said. But the other risk is not a pretty one either. The fact that he's holding now 200 workers at gunpoint at the Chernobyl plant, you know, you don't nobody wants nuclear war. I think, by the way, John, one of the other things I think our president should be doing, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about this. By the way, I went to University of South Carolina, so, you know, I got a soft spot for you, John, too. Um, But I contend this president should be our president should be pushing them to the negotiating table because of the stakes of that you've said about nukes. Either let's do it and arm them appropriately so we're not going to watch a bloodbath before our eyes or try to at least push him to the negotiating table, somehow push Putin to the negotiating table, but be the broker, be a leader. Like, like you know, our president is like he's out there at the Democratic, you know, Democratic donor event. I mean, to me, the optics don't look good, John. Oh, for sure. You're correct. We don't have backbone. However, Rita. I, I want to throw this in here, and then we'll get back to that discussion. I think Zelensky said tonight declared Kiev an open city like Paris was in World War II. That city's a 1,000 years old. And if he really wants to let Ukrainian culture survive, I would just declare it an open city. And then move his government, you know, to someplace else. But uh, Kiev is, is something special to Ukraine. Right. But what surrender? Surrender? You know, I mean, that's basically the equivalent of a surrender, John. You make it an open city like Paris was and Paris never got bombed. On the other hand, there is years of bad blood against the Russians and what the Russians have done is abominable. If somebody said to you, where are you in South Carolina, John? I'm in Somerville, South Carolina. All right. I love Somerville. I told you I went to school there in Columbia, so I know it very well. All right, so somebody said, hey, by the way, let's declare Somerville an open city. Why don't you just move and just surrender your house and everything like that? And and best of luck to you on the next place. 
You know, I think some people in Somerville, and I know some people in Somerville, they'd say, heck no. <laughs> some of the, some good Gamecocks from the University of South Carolina and the Clemson Tigers, even our opponents in college, would say, heck no. So, you know, I hear what you're saying because it's a beautiful city, but also there's something about fighting for your freedom that's more important than architecture. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. You are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. This is The Rita Cosby Show. Breaking news. Now, the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show By the way, uh, one of the hostages' daughters, because we're getting word that some 200 workers, as I mentioned, have been working at gunpoint in Ukraine since Russian soldiers seized the Chernobyl nuclear power plant. How scary is that? And again, these overnight shift employees who were supposed to work for just 12 hours have been running operations steadily at the plant for the past two weeks. The plant has also been offline. It's not been providing data. And that is a huge, huge concern, again, as more than 200 workers are being held at gunpoint. Now an update that from one of the hostages' daughters warning that the plant is held by troops who, quote, have no clear idea about nuclear security. These are sort of ragtag Russians that have taken over the Chernobyl plant. Um, And she further says that she is deeply, deeply concerned about the fate of that particular plant where her father works and is being held at gunpoint at this time. One of 200 workers from Ukraine that are being held at gunpoint when suddenly the Russians took over that plant. What is Putin thinking? Also, Ukrainian intelligence tonight saying that Putin has ordered his troops to prepare, quote, a man made catastrophe at Chernobyl. What does he mean? Scary things, scary threats? Is it bluster? Well, this is really catastrophic as you are hearing what is the potential of this madman. Take a listen. Here's a little bit from a Ukrainian parliament member just talking about what is also going on elsewhere in the country of Ukraine. It's not possible to uh, know in Mariupol now, uh, and uh, it's a really medieval siege. And uh, a week ago, we had an ordinary war. It was army against army. Mm -hmm. And uh, we appreciate you for all your help. We thank you for all your help in in the war, for weapons, for finances. But uh, now we are in uh, uh, the situation where it's uh, mass murderers, that is war crimes. The Russian army, they drop bombs on hospitals and universities and schools. Wow. Talk about devastation. What is our president doing? He's talking policy. Take a listen. This is what he said a little bit ago, how he's going to really, really stick it to Putin. Later today, together with other NATO allies in the G7, Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, United Kingdom, as well as the European Union, we're going to jointly announce several new steps to squeeze Putin and hold him even more accountable for his aggression against Ukraine. And I want to speak to a few of those points today. First, each of our nations is going to take steps to deny most favored nation status to Russia. So we're going to change their status as a favored nation. We're going to sanction, you know, seafood, diamonds. Does that really sound like what the Ukrainian people are begging for right now is they're being closed in on and, and experiencing war crimes by one of the like worst monsters in U.S. history? 
1-800-848-9222. Let's go to BJ in Queens, New York. Go ahead, BJ, your thoughts. Ronald Reagan said to Mikhail Gorbachev, Dovayai no Dovayai, trust but verify, okay? And if we give the planes to Poland I, I, or any other of the Baltics, they can get them in there and they can save Ukraine. This is, this is Dunkirk 1940 all over again. This is Churchill asking for help and hanging in by a thread. If we don't help them, we have a very short window of opportunity, which is closing fast. As far as caviar and vodka this guy's talking about, uh, I don't think Mr. Putin cares as much about this. Uh, because he's going to be running and swallowing up the breadbasket of Europe, which is Ukraine. Yeah, so, no, you're uh, right. You know, BJ, it's heartbreaking, but you put it in very good perspective because our president is sitting there talking about sanctions and Putin's thinking about, OK, uh, what country's next? I mean, this is scary stuff. And especially as we're hearing about Chernobyl. My goodness. We're going to continue, everybody, after the break. Rita Cosby is on. Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, where we honor the great men and women in the military, a beautiful story coming out of Fresno, California, where a World War II veteran from Fresno was honored yesterday for his part in liberating a Nazi concentration camp in Europe. Veteran Vernon Schmidt said, I am just so blessed and he's so honored. He was born in Fresno and he was proudly wearing his newly acquired honorary commemorative medal from the Ministry of Defense of the Czech Republic. He said to have them come, four of them from the embassy in Washington, D.C., to come to one old little guy, 96 years old, for something that we did many years ago. He said he is so honored. He also says that he feels obliged to also honor the men that he served alongside with. He said 16 million of us wore the uniforms of the United States of America at that time, and 400,000 of us never came home. What a powerful reminder of the cost of war and also the incredible courage of our men and women in military. Well, we are talking about the latest developments coming out of Ukraine as the capital city is being encircled tonight. By the way, uh, another wild story, too, that's coming out from this area and all the ripple effects of what's happening. There's an American astronaut that is aboard the International Space Station. He's set to return to Earth with two Russian cosmonauts next month. But his trip home has apparently been now halted and marred by uncertainty after There are reports from a Vladimir Putin ally who's saying that they may leave this astronaut behind. I mean, think about that. Isn't that wild? This guy is up in space. He's there with them, uh, with the cosmonauts at the International Space Station. The Russians are in charge there at this point. You know, the Russians have been, you know, leaders along with the U.S. and the space war. And now they're saying that U.S. astronaut Mark Vandehei May not come back. We may just leave them there in space. Talk about a place to get abandoned. It's not like he can exactly get a ride home. Easy and hitchhike. Boy, things are getting wild with the repercussions of what's happening. And the stakes could not be higher. As we're hearing now at this time that the capital city of Kiev, that they are hearing bombing coming closer and closer. 
and people are looking at the tank positions. Many of those tanks, that 40-mile-long convoy, a lot of the tanks are now hiding out in the tree lines, kind of encircling the city in different directions. And many people suspect that a big Russian attack is in the making and is imminent. And think about the stakes are so important. The world is watching. We're watching to see, okay, what is going to happen? Who's going to take leadership here? Is the U.S. going to try to get those MiG jets, those Polish jets somehow over the border, sneak them in, get them into Ukraine? I can think about it. If they had even more air power, the Ukrainians, and with their guts, they would just go right in and, like, topple those tanks. They're sitting ducks right now, some of them. And, and yet we are still holding back as to what we'll do. We're going to ban caviar. We're going to do this. They want air power. They want a no-fly zone. They are begging. And right now, the world is watching to see what's going to happen. But what are we going to do to stop it? And what we have done so far is we've sent Kamala Harris. Oh, my goodness, what a disaster she has been. She was in Romania today. She was in Poland yesterday. And when she was in Poland, it was embarrassing. I cannot believe there is still so much more fallout. Here she is on the world stage. She gets asked a question. Remember this moment because everybody is talking about it today and everybody's concerned. My goodness, that this person is, you know, the number two person in the United States government right now, right behind the president. I mean, this is scary stuff. She's asked a very serious question because now the refugee toll is over two and a half million people are displaced. Think about this. Since February 24th, that is an unbelievable historic number, the biggest refugee crisis since World War II happening around the globe in Europe. That is unbelievable. And this is what she gets asked. She gets asked a question that anybody, a second grader would have been able to answer the question, gets asked a question that anybody should have known was coming. What are you going to do to help? There are so many of them in Poland. There she is in Poland, standing next to the Polish president. It's an easy question. It should have been an easy answer. And she laughed. And the world is saying this woman is not ready for prime time. Take a listen. Is the United States willing to make a specific allocation for Ukrainian refugees and for President Duda, I wanted to know if you think and if you asked the United States to specifically accept more refugees. Okay. (laughs) A friend in need is a friend indeed. (laughs) Okay, so this time. President Duda's like, uh, wait. Is there something funny here? Because I don't think so. We're dealing with now, you know, over a million refugees, and this woman's laughing next to me. It was an embarrassment, that nervous laughter that we hear when she's asked, hey, what are you doing with the border? What are you doing with this? Whenever it's some serious question that's like of like dire national and world security, she thinks it's funny. To me, this was horrible. So bad that President Zelensky of Ukraine's former spokesperson came out and said, This woman should never be president after what she saw. From that particular moment, she said that woman is unfit to be president. Like, God help the United States if this woman ever becomes president. Think about how bad that is. That is the former spokesperson with Zelensky, who there is fighting for his life tonight in the capital city of Kiev. And so today on The View on ABC, one of the hosts, Sonny Hostin, had this to say about that incident. She thinks it's all about race, that it's not about Kamala Harris's inept communication skills and very thin resume. Oh, it's all about because she is an African-American. This is outrageous. 
What it is is that they constantly question the qualifications of black women, and that's why people are saying that she's unprepared. And oh, I disagree. I think she's you a can very disagree, but that's woman. the truth of it. And so this is based in racism. This is based in misogyny, and we're talking about a woman that has extensive experience um, abroad, extensive experience as an attorney, expensive, extensive experience as a, as a, <clears throat> the chief legal officer of. of one of our largest states in the country. And I, I think this is just much ado about nothing. It has to do with race. Are you kidding me? Much ado about nothing. That is embarrassing. It doesn't matter what color she is. It doesn't matter if it's a man or woman. You want the most capable person right now dealing with the huge stakes. We were just talking about the Russians taking over and holding 200 people now, according to a report at the Chernobyl nuclear plant. Our president is being asked, what are you going to do if there's a chemical attack? You need to have somebody who is qualified and capable and who really is a leader and who understands the complexity. Because, boy, are things getting awfully difficult, awfully tenuous, not just for Ukraine, but for the world. Are you kidding me? The stakes couldn't be higher. And then you send cackles over there who is laughing and thinks it's like like laughing like a hyena. It's really funny about refugees. You know, I, I think Zelensky's... Spokesperson had it right. This person is not ready for prime time. And the world is going, what the heck is going on? No wonder U.S. has had such lackluster leadership on this issue. I mean, if you've got Joe Biden who's talking about, you know, sanctioning caviar and then he got cackles, what a mess. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Norman in Brooklyn. And Norm, before I hear you, what do you think? of the fact that the view is saying, oh, it's about race, that that's why people are criticizing Kamala Harris. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous, Rita. That's very ridiculous. I don't listen to the view, watch the view. Um, I haven't watched much commercial television for more than two years. So, uh, yeah, I, I I don't put much stock in anything that they have to say. Anyway, concerning Ukraine, my suggestion is we need to take all the refugees to the U.S., because they are an industrious, educated, and skilled people who would be an asset to this country, and also as an offset to all the unskilled future Democrats being imported across the southern border. You know, well, you know, it's interesting. You bring up a point, and of course, uh, some historic numbers that we just got out today of what's been happening at the border. It's still open, wide open there. Um, but I would have liked to have heard the answer to the question because a lot of it was related to what you're talking about right now, Norm, because that was the question asked to Kamala Harris. What are you going to do? You know, are you going to help Poland? Because even though Poland has been incredible with these refugees and helping them with humanitarian issues, that's a lot of people coming to Poland. They're predicting there might be another million coming to Poland. I mean, think about that onslaught within a very short period of time. So it's a legitimate question. Hey, will the U.S. help? Will the U.S. do this? Will the U.S. do that? And like you just said, these are people who are our allies, who clearly care about freedom, are willing to fight for freedom. I mean, my goodness, you're seeing it every day, the courage of the Ukrainian people. You're right. These are the kind of people that you want to have in this country who are going to make it a better place. Um, So I, I I love your comments, Norm. Thank you. That's really, really Terrific. I agree with you. Um, Let's go to Dan in Ohio. Dan, your thoughts. You're here on the Rita Cosby Show tonight, Dan. Go ahead, Dan. Uh, Rita, we appreciate your foresight. Thank you. What do you think? uh, Well, I think Joe Biden double-crossed Vladimir Zelensky. 
Here we got our powerful country and the 30 powerful countries of NATO. On the other side, there's China, Russia, India, and some of the Muslim countries. Now, Trump would have done this. Joe Biden talked young uh, Vladimir Zelensky into a, uh, a strategic uh, charter where they would pull him into NATO and the European Union. And China says, no way, Jose. He said, you destroyed Yugoslavia. You bombed and destroyed uh, the, the Yugoslav army and bombed uh, Serbia into the Stone Age. And we're not going to let you have the second largest country in Europe. So what do you where so do you see this going Trump real quick, Dan? Hang on. Now I got to get you to sum it up, Dan. Where do you see this headed? I see this headed a lot of bloodshed and ten more ten million refugees going into into Europe. Wow, yeah. wow, that's a very powerful statement, Dan. Um, because it, it is it is a serious. It's already a catastrophe, and those numbers are really stunning. And I think there are people who would agree with you, Dan. Tonight, especially as we're seeing what's happening. Wow. Dan, thank you for the call. That was powerful. Let's go to Phil in the Bronx. Phil, your thoughts. Go ahead, Phil. Yeah, hi. Good evening, Rita. Um, here's, here's the bottom line. Three quick points. First of all, the Manchurian candidate and full-fledged traitor, Joseph Biden, as president, is completely complicitous with the paranoid schizophrenic Putin's plan to seize Ukraine for the purposes of blocking a major portal that by which, if anything ever happened, NATO could enter, namely Bulgaria and Romania. And also, it will guarantee and assure his complete capture of the Black Sea, which could potentially endanger Turkey. Yeah. That's the point. And by the, the way, second. and by the way, Phil, and I'll let you finish on the second, but you know, Turkey has been very active in this because there's obviously a lot of bad blood with Turkey and Russia for years and years. And even Erdogan has said... You know what? If the U.S. administration had handled this better, he just came out a few uh, hours ago saying if the U.S. had handled this better, and that was Obama, you know, had the U.S. done a better job uh, when the whole Crimea thing happened, maybe we wouldn't have been here. You got to stand up to a bully is the message, Phil. Yes, of course. But the, this, the second point is that the Ukraine is basically on a death march. Uh, I hate to say it. I've thought about this. I've spoken to a lot of ex-military people about it, and they agree that basically Ukraine will suffer incredible losses of human life over the next two to four weeks. We're talking maybe a million and a half or more dead. Uh, Uh, Bill, I hope you're wrong. My goodness. I know. I know. What they want to do is create. Russia wants to create an absolute no man's land between Bulgaria, Romania, and Hungary where they cannot enter into the country. They will be physically unable to enter into the country. Yeah, you know what? I'm telling you, I don't put anything past Russia, and I think that he is a madman. He's intent on slaughter. We we hear about these thermobaric bombs. We're hearing about cluster bombs. We've seen already his the work at the hospital and these others. And uh, And as he's encroaching the biggest city there in Ukraine, it's a tough time ahead. Phil, I hope you're wrong, and I am praying for the people of Ukraine tonight. Phil, thank you very, very much. It's a sobering, sobering comment to hear from you. Um, When we come back in the last few minutes of the show, I I just want to talk about a case really quickly before we go for the weekend. It is an unbelievable story of a repeat offender in New York uh, charged with murder, 
charged with murder. And what happens to somebody who's charged with murder? Guess what? If you go before the right New York City judge, you go free. No bail. Are you kidding me? I mean, it's bad enough some of these other things. This guy had a rap sheet a mile long, and he walks free. Welcome to New York City. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. What do you make of the fact a career criminal who was indicted on a murder charge for allegedly beating, it was a 67-year-old man, freed on bail yesterday by a Manhattan judge? Disgusting. We have to get tough here at home, and we got to stand up for our rights here at home as well. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And I feel like I am free-falling from reality when I am looking at what's happening in New York City. Case in point, around the country, guys, with these soft-on-crime DAs, soft-on-crime judges, and one of these new cases basically takes the cake. First off, here is Keyshawn Sewell, by the way, um, NYPD commissioner, the new NYPD commissioner, female commissioner, first ever in history, female commissioner, and this is what she had to say when she was on Cats at Night earlier today. Take a listen. We made actually 4,500 gun arrests last year, but over 80% of those suspects with open gun cases are still out walking around right now. And only 100 of those cases went to trial or a plea. The court system needs to come back. Yeah, the court system needs to come back, but it's got to come back the right way. And case in point, this, my jaw dropped. I always think it gets, you know, it's like it's going to get better. Uh-uh. Here's a case of 54-year-old Eugene Clark on parole when he was initially charged by cops with assault for pummeling a 67-year-old woman. She was knocked into a coma, and then she died from her injuries. So then he gets indicted in February on a murder charge because she's died after that serious, seriously injury from this guy. Rap sheet a mile long, tons of crimes, tons of issues in this guy's background. Again, He is indicted on a murder charge for beating a 67-year-old man to death. He goes before a Manhattan judge who frees him without bail. Unbelievable. Prosecutors are like, okay, throw the book at the guy. Do something. And a judge in New York City, soft on crime judge, says, oh, let's have him get some mental health treatment. Let's try to help this guy. How does that help the victims in New York, his many victims, if you look at his rap sheet? And how does that give him a lesson that there is punishment that should be due for people who commit crimes? I couldn't believe it. A guy who is charged with murder. This is a serious offense. No bail. We're going to make sure you get some help because you need some mental help. So we're going to help you. No punishment. Unbelievable. This is just a classic case of what's happening to our cities across the country. Let's go to Chris real quick in Lake George. Go ahead, Chris. Your reaction that now it's a murder. This is a guy who's indicted a murder. The woman has died. He even admitted, by the way, that he was at the scene. He's caught on videotape. He admits he's at the scene, basically did it. And the judge goes, oh, don't worry. We're going to make sure that you get some help. Have a good day. I'm surprised she didn't put him up at the Ritz-Carlton and order uh, champagne. 
look, the the American people have been brutalized for the last 30 years by an out-of-control CIA, which is operating inside our country through Mockingbird and other programs, and that uh, until we actually have a court system that works, we're finished. We're done. Yeah, it's scary. Really scary. Chris, great point. We have to have a court system because it doesn't matter how much you try to crack down on crime. You just heard the new NYPD commissioner, Keyshawn Sewell, saying, you know, yeah, we're making arrests. We've got to get the system to flow. Well, you've got to get good judges in there. You've got to get DAs in there. You've got to get people who actually care about throwing the book at criminal offenders. Otherwise, they're just laughing all the way to the bank. And this guy, I, I've never heard of a guy who gets charged with murder, and it's a brutal offense, a brutal crime. It's not like, you know, hey, he's he's at the scene. It's not like, oh, we're not sure if he did it or not. He's at the scene. They got him on videotape. They got the whole deal. And then he's walking free. The judge is like, no, don't worry about it. We're going to get him some help. What about helping the citizens of New York and so many other cities across this country? Because this is case in point. This judge in New York City, shame on this judge. And there's sadly a lot of judges like this across America. Let's go to Robert in Clifton, New Jersey. Your reaction to this, Robert? Go ahead. I think uh, this is under Alvin Bragg, the district attorney in Manhattan, right? And uh, yep, it's the, a Manhattan new, judge, exactly. Right, and our our new uh, wing nut, uh, Governor Hochul, she can't remove him because she has to give Alvin Bragg a chance. So this is the go ahead to all these leftist communist judges. Uh, what I think uh, is that he should be sentenced to live inside that judge's house at night and, you know, maybe give him a, 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 some social counseling uh, himself. The judge should – and then tuck him to bed and then see what happens to him and his family when the guy decides to murder a few more people. Yeah, and, that's, and you, know, you know, Robert, and, that's a sad point, but, but you are correct in the sense that these judges are so removed – that they don't understand the ramifications of their actions. And that's it's it's a tragedy. And it's a tragedy to the people of New York and so many great cities across the country. Eric, real quick in Manhattan, New York, your reaction, Eric, real quick. Hey, Rita, um, it's like it, it's lose lose for us. It's, uh, this is disaster by design. Like if, it, if it's not the judge's hands are tied, a decent judge, then there's a murder case and the judge is an activist. Like, is this a joke? Is this- I mean, I don't understand. This, this can't be happening. It's like, this is insane. I actually agree with you, yeah. Eric. When I read it, I actually thought it was, you know, like a mistype, like charged with murder. Like, I thought, okay, maybe, you know, a minor crime or something. No, charged with murder. Shame on this judge. And everybody, as we head to a weekend tonight, pray for the people of Ukraine. Pray for the capital city, which is now being surrounded And let's pray for peace, but pray for Ukraine this weekend. Everybody have a good night. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to prioritygold.com.